Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Jude. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. And I will.
How's everybody doing tonight, okay? It's good to see everybody. I don't know, it's been a blessing for me to come here three nights in a row. Um, I don't know, there's not much more to my life than what God has in store for me. There's nothing out there that fills me anymore. So this is the only thing that does. So whenever the doors open, I'm here. Matter of fact, we're going to open the doors more and more as we grow in the Lord, amen? It's going to get heavier and heavier out there as this world goes godless. We're going to be like, man, I don't even want to be out there anymore, you know? As we grow and mature, our thinking is going to be a lot different. And we're just going to have to, like, separate a lot so we don't get wrapped up in that stuff, you know? It's just the way it is. The Bible says it was going to happen, and it's coming. In the last days, people only think of themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Everybody's self-absorbed out there. Everybody's playing their own little God, living their life their own little way. Have no morals, no anything. No compass. We don't want God. We don't want God's principles in our life. That's We want to do what we want. All right, let's go to Psalm 27. This is an awesome psalm. We're just going to read this. Go to verse 1. We're going to write down a list of this one. This is worthy, this, this psalm right here. You know, God puts us through the tests all the time, you know. He tests our spiritual growth by putting the pressures of life on us. If When the pressures come and you start falling apart, it shows that you really haven't stabilized spiritually. That's what it is. And we need to understand that and look at our shortcomings and say, where am I falling short here? It's always a test to see where we're at. And then when you start handling it right, then you know you're making some ground and you're growing. You're actually applying some of God's word to your life and using the principles of the Bible to handle the situation. So, you know, I'm not going to get upset about this. God put it there. I'm going to let Him control it. I'm going to give it to Him. And I'm going to give the burden to Him. Amen? That's what maturity is all about. And obeying God in spite of what we feel or think. Okay. And if you can't do that, it's not going to happen. You're just going to be struggling through your Christian life, miserable, trying to change people, trying to change situations, trying to change things, saying, like, God, you don't know what you're doing in my life, so i got to switch it up a little bit. And you only set yourself back when we do that. He says, all right, go ahead, do it your way. And he causes problems to get us back in line again. That's just the way he operates. If you read your Bible, that's the way he works. God is a good God. He's a good Father. And He's real with us. He sure is. He's a good Father, right? He's always faithful to us, even though we're not always faithful to Him. Because He can't deny who He is. His promises are yea and amen. That's what we have to bank on when all things start falling apart. Life starts getting heavy. Ministry starts getting heavy. The Bible, the, the God demands more and more of our life. As things starting to get, we start to get frustrated and saying, oh, I need a break from God. I don't know about that. I don't know if you want to say that. You know, because, because over here, it's in this in this psalm, he's saying he wants to dwell with God all the days of his life. If you need a break from God, he's going to say, okay, go ahead. You're not going to sense him. You're not going to want him. You're not going to have a need for him. And he's going to take, draw back and let you do it. And he will. All right, go to verse 1. How many of us are stressed out? Do you realize when you're stressed out that you're really actually being disobedient to God? 
Because he's saying, I'm in control of this and not trusting me. You're stressed out because you want something to work your way, not mine. You want to control your destiny and you're not letting me. Okay. The main thing for Christianity is to know where you leave off and God takes over. You see, that's a big misconception in Christianity. People either get under or over with God. Instead of saying, this, you know, God sends the boat, I'm drowning in the river, but he doesn't lift me out of the water and put me in it. He sent the boat, and he says, now get in it. I sent you the boat, what more do you want? Oh, I want you to lift me up and put me in. That's the lazy humanity. I want God to just coddle me all the days of my life and give me nothing to do. God's my genie. Okay. That's not the God of the Bible, by the way. That's the God you created. <laughs> and it says in the Bible in Isaiah, only a fool creates his own God. Okay, verse 1. The Psalm of David. David was a man after God's own heart. We know that. He loved the Lord. But he had a flesh. And he fell susceptible to it. God forgave him. But the consequences of actions carried through the rest of his life. So don't think as a Christian, don't worry, your sins are forgiven. But don't think the consequences are forgiven too and they're going away. You might have to eat what you, reap what you sow for the rest of your life from your bad decision. But God still loves you and he's going to bring you home. But he doesn't guarantee us, a, he, he guarantees us a safe landing. But it's up to us if we want a nice, smooth journey. All right. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? Okay? If the Lord is your light, which is the word of God, and your salvation, why? So why should I be afraid? Now, is it, people still get scared and have fear in their life. So what's going on? Mm -hmm. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, and they will, listen, if you live a godly life here on earth, evil people are going to try to come and devour you. And the problem with Christianity today is they can form into the world so they don't have to go through anything. I'm just going to back off of God a little bit and do, adopt the world's ways into my Christianity and not have to suffer anything. Because listen, when you're in the battle, okay, when you get off the chair and get into the battle of your spiritual warfare, evil people are going to come and devour you. Just like when you go to any war, right? You have to expect what? Opposition. So when you go into the war with spiritual growth, with spirituality, and this realm we can't see, we should expect opposition. The more you get closer to the Lord, the more opposition is going to come. So if your life is going really rosy and smooth, that's good. But you have to ask yourself, am I following God's will? Or am I being conformed to the world? Because when you're conformed to the world, nobody, the world's not bothering you. Because you're in it. But when you come up out of it, now you're a, you shine light on the world, and it's a stench in their nostrils for you to actually live right in this world. Because now you're saying it can be done. You see? Tonight's going to be an interesting study. So 
So it's going to require some paying attention and some focus. So whatever you were thinking about today, forget about it. Okay, just focus on the Word of God and what He's trying to say to the church tonight. And He's trying to give you something to take with you so you can grow. Okay, so stay focused. If you start drifting, refocus. Okay, because all of us are prone to drift during the service. That's why we only go for an hour. You start losing people. After 45 minutes, you start yawning. And... <laughs> but some people don't. Some people want to go over. You know, when your heart's right. When your heart's right, you want to go longer than an hour. When it's not, oh, is this over yet? Then you know. You already, you just judge yourself. Okay. Look what it says. When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. You see, God's saying, when they come for you, you don't have to make them stumble and fall. I will. Is that a phone? I just heard. Mm -mm. Definitely not mine. Well, that one, yeah. You want me to silence it? Okay. Though a mighty army surrounds, listen to this. A mighty army surrounds me. Think about it. You're a Christian in this world, okay? There's a mighty army surrounding us of unbelievers. Just trying to take us out of this. Look. My heart will not be afraid. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. See it? That's a soldier. The one thing I ask of the Lord... Listen to what he's saying now. The one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. <laughs> you see what he says? My heart responds. He's not talking about your mind. He's talking about your heart. Okay? The very being, your very core, your very conscience. Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me. Listen now. The Lord will hold me close. See it? A lot of kids get abandoned by their mothers and fathers. You come to the Lord, He says, I'll hold you close. Amen. Amen to that. You've got a Father in heaven that will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Amen. I don't care whatever kind of earthly father you have here, whether they did the best they can or they didn't, you have one in, in heaven that will take care of you Amen. for the rest of your life if you put your faith and trust in Him. Now it says, listen to verse 11. This is what we do here. Teach me how to live. 
Wow. You mean I got to be taught how to live? Think about that. I thought I was doing just fine. Why is the Bible telling me that he's going to teach me how to live? Because living the world's way and living his way is two different things. Okay? Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. Do you ask God to teach you how to live? Here's a good prayer. Teach me how to live, Lord. Lead me along the right path. Good prayer every morning when you get up. Teach me how to live, Lord, and lead me along the right path. You see it? That's how you stay in touch with God. For my enemies are waiting for me, telling me they are. And let me tell you something. They're not always outward enemies. They're inward enemies. Like anger, lust, fear, right? Anxiety, frustration, doubt, right? Bitterness. Those are all our enemies. Those are all spirits. Spirit of fear. Spirit of doubt. See, people don't understand what spirits are. Spirits are emotions. Spirit of doubt. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, power, love, and a sound mind. Those are spirits. You ever get a spirit of fear coming into you? You get overgripped by it? You ever get a spirit of anxiety coming over you? Right? Of doubt? Man, I've been following God so long. I don't know if this is real. I'll tell you the way my life's going right now. I don't know if this is any good. Anybody ever been there? Don't lie. Father knows best. He puts us on a course. He puts us on a marathon, not a sprint. Number one. His ways are through the course of your life. And where he has you right now is for a purpose. And he said he's going to work it all out for good. If you trust him. If you're, if you're called according to his purpose. For all those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There's a catch there. All right, you with me so far? Okay. Do not let me fall into their hands. For they accuse me of things I have never done. There you go. People will slander you and accuse you of things you've never done based on somebody else's viewpoint of you. They'll talk about you, and they don't even know if it's true. And they'll take it as truth. And they'll assassinate your character, and they don't even know. Look, if you're going to talk about somebody... Bring them with you. Then you have to, then if, then you know you're getting talking bad about them. Because if they can listen to you, then you know you're not gossiping. But if you are gossiping, you're not going to leave them home. So the next time you think about talking about somebody, ask yourself, would I say it if they were in front of me right now? Then you know, if not, I better not say it. Because God hates it. Again, amen for that. That's living God's way. Teach me how to live, Lord. Do what I hear all the time? They're not teaching me, teaching them how to live. They're living their way. Talking about everything. You get me mad? They talk about you. You do not, something they don't like? They talk about you. They talk bad about you. Never saying anything good. Only when they're mad, they talk bad. And that's a fact. God hates it, and you get judged for it. And it'll fall back on your head. Trust me. God is going to say, no, I'm going to let you taste what it's like to get talked about. And somebody's going to slander you when it's not true. And then you're going to be like, how, why'd that happen? You have to think, well, maybe because I do it. God's a good teacher. Look, with every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident, look what he says, that I will see the Lord's goodness 
while I am here in the land of the living. Look what it says in 14. Here's the biggest part of your Christian walk. Wait patiently for the Lord. This is one thing the Christian fail at the most. They do not wait patiently for Him. You start praying for somebody and something to happen, and it doesn't happen in your time frame, you don't wait patiently and you start praying. Or you start trying to handle it your way, and you leave God out of it. It says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. He said it twice. How many of us are impatient? We're impatient with life as it is, but we're still impatient with God. God, I've been coming to church. I've been reading the Bible. How come I'm still not getting it? And God's answer is going to say, because you're stopping. That's why. You're getting it because you want to do it your way. He says, I never stop you from doing things your way. I'm trying to teach you my way and let you live by them principles so you will always sense my presence because when you live in your way, you're never going to sense my presence. That's the problem. If you're not living a God-centered life, you're not going to sense His presence. If you're living evil and full of sin, abusing God's grace and just living it up out there, you ain't going to sense His presence. You're going to feel run down and beat up. As a matter of fact, your conscience is going to get seared. As a matter of fact, sin's going to be comfortable. When sin gets comfortable to a believer, that's a dangerous point. When you can be comfortable in sin and the conviction is gone, is now you become hard-hearted and hard of hearing God's voice. Very dangerous. How many of us have been there? We know. Oh, I'm getting away with it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, just because sin isn't just right away, isn't judged right away, doesn't mean it's not gonna be. See, God gives us a lot of room to repent, then he does judgment. See, there's a grace period, and then there's judgment. Then he turns up the heat to get you back in line. And then he exposes it, so now you feel shame. He's saying, let me lead you by the eye, not the rod. You know what I'm telling you. You know it's wrong. Stop now and turn from it. And if you don't, I'm going to stop you in a way you're not going to like. I'm going to have to embarrass you. So think about it. If you do, don't, This is for you and God. If you're living in a way that you know is against God and thinking that you're getting away with it, trust me, you're not. God has given you the grace to repent from it and there's going to come a day when He's going to expose it. So it says in the Bible, your sin will find you out eventually. So, believe me, if it's going on, turn from it, repent, and turn to God while you have a chance. And He can stop. Now he was telling the nation Israel, repent now so I don't have to pass this judgment on you. They would not stop. They said, no, we want to do it our way. And they paid the price for it. And so will you, believer. Just because you're under God's grace doesn't mean you're not going to pay a price for your sins. Okay. Now, I'm going to introduce a new book tonight. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Are you? We're going to the book of Jude tonight. This is a book that doesn't really get preached about much. But it's a good book. And there's one chapter. And I don't know if I'll be able to get through the whole chapter tonight. And I doubt it. Because I'm going to have to lay some groundwork on it. But this is an awesome, awesome book. So turn to the book of Jude. 
I'm going to lay some groundwork before I get started reading it, okay? And just let us understand what this book is all about. Everybody excited about reading this book? This is an awesome book, okay? Stay focused and pay attention. You get a lot of good principles out of this book. A lot of things to think about in Christian life. Okay. I'm just going to lay a couple of grounds and let you know what's going on with this book. And then we'll start reading it, okay? All right, now. To protect from harm, okay? To guard from attack. To repulse enemies for centuries, rugged defenders have built walls, launched missiles, and waged wars, expending material and human resources in the battle to save nations and cities, okay? And with total commitment and courageous abandon, Individuals have fought for their families. It is the rule of life that we fight for survival. Defending with all our strength what is most precious to us from every real or imagined attack. Okay? God's word, okay, and the gift of eternal life have infinite value and have been entrusted to Christ's faithful followers. Listen now. Many people live in opposition to God and His followers. They twist God's words, seeking to deceive and destroy the unwary. Okay? But God's truth must go forth, carried and defended by those who have committed their lives to His Son. It is an important task, an awesome responsibility, and a profound privilege to have this commission. This was Jude's message message to Christians everywhere. Opposition would come and godless teachers would rise. Arise. But Christians should defend the faith by rejecting all falsehood and immorality, remembering God's mighty acts of rescue and punishment, and the warnings of the apostles. His readers are to build up their own faith through prayer, keeping close to Christ, helping others, and hating sin. Then Jude concludes with a glorious benediction of praise to God. How much do you value God's word? Listen now. The fellowship of the church in obedience to Jesus Christ. Many false teachers will wait, are waiting to destroy your Christ-centered life. Okay? The credibility of God's word and the unity of the body of Christ. Read Jude and determine to stand firm in your faith and defend God's truth at all cost. Nothing is more valuable, okay? And you know it. When you come here, we read the Bible. We don't bend it, twist it. We read it word for word all the way through. And my thing is to make sure that you read it when you're not here so you can make sure what's being taught is on the up and up. Christians are lazy. They'll listen to what a preacher says and they'll just lull them into sin and twist the Word of God without seeking for themselves what the Word of God says. Like I said before, this is a supplement to enhance your walk with the Lord. It doesn't replace you reading God's Word when you're not here. Can I get an amen for that? This ministry is to build you up and edify you so you can find what God saved you for and the gift He's given you to operate in the ministry. And the only way you're going to find that is if you're living right and doing His will. Then He will reveal it to you. 
Don't think if you're going to go live your way, he's going to reveal your gift for the church. He's not. The purpose, to remind the church of the need for constant vigilance, okay, to keep strong in the faith, and to oppose heresy. The author is Jude, the brother of Jesus and James. Okay? The original audience were Jewish Christians. The date written was approximately 65 A.D. All right? The setting from the first century on, the church has been threatened by heresy and false teaching. We must always be on our God. Let me tell you something. Today, the church is full of false teaching and heresy. It really is. And people don't know the Bible, so they just fall into it. They see a big, glamorous church. So, ooh, this must be a good church. They see a polished pastor, all dressed up nice. Wow, he must really know Jesus. Let me tell you something. The people that serve Jesus in the Bible didn't smell good. <laughs> they didn't have three-piece suits on. They were fishermen, prostitutes, tax collectors, fig pickers, sheep herders. Okay? King David was a sheep herder. He was the last one in line that they thought that they would make king. God says, I don't look at the I don't look at the outside. I look what your heart what's in your heart. And that's what you should look for. You look for a place where their heart is involved in what? Changing your heart to imitate Christ. Amen? That's what it's all about. When you find a church like that, drop your anchor because you'll grow. Not many of them left, unfortunately, because to get this, you gotta you gotta compromise. Just like in businesses, the people who become multi-billionaires and trillionaires, they have to what? Cheat and lie to get that kind of money. And bend it. Okay. Alright, so the setting. Alright, the key verse, dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write to you about something else. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all times. Chapter 1, verse 3. The blueprint of this is the danger of false teaching. The duty to fight for God's truth. Jude wrote to motivate Christians everywhere to action. He wanted them to recognize the dangers of false teaching. To protect themselves and other believers and to win back those who had already been deceived. Jude was writing against godless teachers who were saying that Christians could do as they pleased without fear of God's punishment. While few teach this heresy openly in the church today, many in the church act as though this were true. This letter contains a warning against living a nominal Christian life. Okay? Jude chapter 1. Let's go there. You ready now? All right. When I got into this, the Lord spoke to me to teach on it. I'm like, I don't know, Lord. This is the heavy one. He says, they're ready. Teach it. So guess what? You guys are ready, so you're going to hear it. Like I said before, don't shoot the messenger, okay? If something, <laughs> if something convicts you what I'm going to be talking about tonight, then you have to say to yourself, God is speaking to me to stop doing it. And if you're getting blessed because of it, then you say, oh, I'm on the right path. Hallelujah. Either one, okay? All right. And my hands, look, they are still dirty, by the way. 
It come, it's come a, a, a modern thing now, you know. <laughs> but work is work, and it is what it is, okay? I can, I, can, I can scrub my hands for six hours, right? And tomorrow it'll be black again. So then I wouldn't be able to preach. So I can spend six hours or I can come here and preach. What would you rather have? <laughs> Want me to wear gloves? I'll wear gloves. <laughs> All right. So you're going to have to deal with it, okay? I can't. Thank you. I can't keep my hands in my pocket. I just can't. I'm Italian. It's all right, John. Thank you. I, that's why I buy self-winded watches, because I'm always moving. The thing's always wound up. A little humor to throw in there. There's no reason why you can't enjoy your Bible study. Let me tell you something. Even if it is convicting, it's a blessing that it is. Because now you're getting truth. So you can change your ways. And who don't need to change our ways? You go through your life in the course of a day, and you know some things in your life need changing. You be honest. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. We never arrive while we're here. We're always a work in progress. Thank God for His grace. But He knows what direction you're going in, and He holds us and he keeps us there, amen? But he knows where your heart is wrong. All right, this letter is from Jude. A slave of Jesus Christ. You see, I love that, a slave. What does a slave do? A slave is committed to its owner. It can't do nothing but whatever the owner says. He was a slave to Jesus. Jesus owned him. Paul was a slave to Jesus Christ. He did whatever Jesus told him to do. He went and got beat, whipped, prisoned. You name it because he was a slave to him. That's what it's about. That's how much attachment he had. That's how close he was to the Lord. A slave. Are you a slave for Jesus? Or are you a slave for the devil? Or are you a slave for your flesh? Ask yourself that. I don't know about you, but I don't like my flesh too much. It's greedy. It's ugly. And it always wants something. And it always has a bad motive. Even though I'm trying to be good. It's the recognition in what? See how good I am? Jesus said that's the only reward you'll ever get if you're looking for that. Yeah. You know when you do something, they put your plaque on the wall. Look at the achievement, right? And God says, well, you can't take that plaque to heaven. Sorry. Yeah. If, you, if you never put it up there, you're taking that reward with you. Amen? God sees everything. Listen, even if nobody sees what you're doing, he sees it. And if you're close to God, it won't matter because you're, when you're walking with the Lord, He's always on your mind and in your heart. And whenever you do something, it's like you're acting like Jesus. So it doesn't matter if you get recognized or not. Jesus didn't get recognized at all. And He was God. Here's the problem down here. We think we're little gods and we want to get recognized for everything we do. And rewarded for it. Oh, I was a good Christian today. Good Christian fruit of our salvation is good works. We don't do them to get saved. We do them as a fruit because we are saved. And we do it for what? For Jesus, not for ourselves. All right. Now look what it says. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. See, So he's writing to who? All who have been called by God. 
Everybody here has been called by God, obviously. You won't be sitting here. So he's talking to you. Look what it says. Look what he's saying. Look at verse 2. Who doesn't need this? May God give you more and more mercy. <laughs> we need a lot of mercy, right? Peace and love. What does the world need? The world, we need a lot of mercy. We need more peace in our lives. And we need love. And God will give it to you. He promised he would if you do things his way. If you live for him, it will happen. Don't expect to get that if you live for yourself. See, Christians don't get it. They think they can come to church and get that without doing anything. No, when you say, take my will in my life, Lord, take me today, that's when you get that. Use me. You don't get it when you say, it's all about me. Give me the grace, peace. No, you get, you get what? You don't get turmoil, right? You become a miserable Christian. Right? It says, when life, when life will soon, the past only what's done for Christ will last. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. You want to be happy as a Christian? You have to obey what the Word of God says and live that way. If you don't, you'll never be a happy Christian. You'll be a miserable one. Can I get an amen for that? How many of us need mercy today? I do. How many need peace? How many want peace in their life? Well, if you don't have it, why? Ask yourself, why am I not getting peace? Because God gives peace. And love. Alright, the dangers of false teachers. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else. Urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time to His holy people. I say this because I love this. I say this because some un ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. I love the way you put that. Wormed. You know how a worm is, right? What do they do? They slither in little slimy things, right? <laughs> they, they worm their way around, right? That's how they worm their way into churches. They come in all super Christian, okay? Say, they got all the right sayings, they got all the right gestures. All the right scriptures, they worm their way in. Look, into your churches, saying that, look what it says right here, and I hear this all the time, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. If somebody tells you, God's grace allows us to live an immoral life. They're a false teacher. If, if somebody tells you God's grace gives you the ability to live whatever way you want, they're a false teacher. God's grace does not give you the ability to live whatever way you want. God's grace is the ability to come up out of that. And if somebody's teaching you that, and then you go living in that, the Bible says... The guy that's teaching it is better off putting a millstone around his neck and throwing himself in the ocean for when God's judgment comes against them. For throw, shipwrecking people and letting them... They were living better before they came to church. They took all their moral restraints off and said, Oh, God says I can do whatever I want now. And they were worse off when they came in. Believe me, there's churches that do it. 
And this, guess what? This one don't. This one don't teach that. Now look what it says. The condemnation... Well, let me back up again. Let me say it again. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Lies. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. Now, why is it important to read the Old Testament? So you'll understand that. Who, who rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt? Jesus did. Well, I didn't hear about Jesus back then. No, Jesus is God. <laughs> so Jesus rescued the nation of Israel. Jesus was showing up all through the Old Testament. If you know your Bible, he was showing up as a type of Christ everywhere. Jesus was showing up everywhere. That Jesus first rescued the nation Israel from Egypt. You read that, right? But later, he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. They went on the wilderness. They didn't remain faithful. He destroyed them. And they did not go to heaven, by the way. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. Look what it says. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of punishment. And don't forget Sodom. He uses examples here. Now look. Don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. If you ask me, the way this America is right now, it's full of immorality and sexual perversion of every kind. And trying to bring it into the church, and it ain't coming in this one, I'll tell you right now. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. Uh, I don't know about that, right? I'm going to explain it after, maybe at the time, right? I'm going to explain it to you. But these people, look, this is, this is the way it goes. These people scoff at things they don't understand. See, when people don't understand spiritual things, they scoff at it. When you tell them about Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they scoff at it. They don't understand it, so they reject it. That's what they scoffing is, rejecting something. Right? Now look what it says. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. You see, that's what the world does. See, the world does whatever their instincts tell them to do. If it looks good, get it. If it feels good, do it. Whatever your instincts. We have animal instincts in us, have you not noticed? Stay away from God for a little while. You'll see the animal come out of you. <laughs> Amen? 
We're born like animals, separated from God. And so they bring about their own destruction. Which sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain. See, he's using Cain. Now, if you haven't read the Old Testament, oh, I heard about Cain, but I didn't really read the account. Well, the account's in Genesis, so I suggest you go home and read it. Who killed his brother. And what about Balaam? Remember him? They deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. We just read all that. And he's using that as examples in the New Testament. So if you haven't read the account, then you're saying, I don't understand what they're talking about here. So how can you say the Old Testament is not relevant in the New? And I'm not going to go into Korah's rebellion. It's in, the, it's in the Bible. Go back and look it up. And what about Balaam, remember? He was deceiving people for money. He was a false prophet. And look what it says. Oh, boy. I'm going to say a couple more things, then we got to close. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, listen to this one, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They're like clouds of blowing, like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. That's a fruitless so-called Christian. They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars, doomed forever to blackest darkness. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to close. Enoch. Huh? What about who's Enoch? Read the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Who lived in the seventh generation after Adam prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of His holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insult, un, insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. Look at verse 16. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. Now look, I hope you're not a grumbler and a complainer here and always living to satisfy your desires because he's throwing you in that category if you are. Somebody who's grumbling and complaining all the time and living only to please themselves. That's called the flesh. The flesh always grumbles and complains and the flesh only wants what it wants to satisfy itself. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. Ooh. All right, we got to stop there. So when we get together again, we're going to read, read more. There's more, and I'm going to explain more of it too, okay? So just hold your pen in verse 16. When we pick up with it next week, I'm going to explain in detail a little bit more what it's talking about, okay? So I hope you've got something to glean off or to think about tonight. Brittany, Jasmine, and Deb are coming up to close us with a beautiful song. And we'll close. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, I will never let you.
That was beautiful. Wayne, you want to close in prayer tonight? Come on. Amen. All right. Thanks, Wayne. Have a great night. God bless. Till we meet again. Peace. Peace. Peace.